The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of Passion, the night that I reserve to answer all of your questions. Uh, You can text in at 514-800. You can call in if you'd like at 514-790-0800. Or you can email me, laurie at drlaurie.com or just go to the website, drlaurie.com and fill out the contact sheet there. Just a reminder, no questions are silly questions. Uh, you are not being judged for your question. They are anonymous, so you don't have to use a name or any kind of identifying information. Even if I see a name, I won't say the name. If you call, you can be a different person. We don't care. We just want you to get your questions answered. And also, if you want to take part, in other words, help out our community, you can do that by responding. Sometimes people have experienced similar things and it kind of helps. It helps uh, other people realize, oh, I'm not alone or somebody else had this experience or that experience. So um, that's something that um, that you can do as well at 514-800. So this, last night somebody uh, texted in, I didn't get a chance to read it, and I'm, I want to read it now because it's a really important question actually, which I don't have the answer to, but I think it's something we all need to think about, even our, maybe the way we do things we can think about. Explain to me why, if you believe somebody needs help, you have to either tattletale on them or they have to call themselves. I wish there was a number that we could call and say, I know somebody that has some issues, and you tell them the issues, and please just call them for me. And I understand that. It's like I get calls like that from, uh, let's say, uh, a husband who says, look, I, I'd like my wife to see you. I think you know she's going through a lot of stuff, and could you please call her? Uh, to make an appointment or what have you. And the standard is, and this is according to our our ethics, let's just say, the, the standard practice for psychologists is the client has to make the phone call. And there's a reason for that because you can, uh, if the client makes the phone call, they're the one reaching out for help, then they will be invested in getting the help right? So if someone else forces them, so to speak, into treatment, it they resist it or they don't invest in it or, or what have you. But I get the dilemma, the dilemma for like, if you've got somebody that, you know, you know, is going through something and you just wish, like, I know if they got help, they would, they could turn this around. I know, you know, things like that. And it's really, really tough. The only thing, like if somebody is, is if you believe somebody will harm themselves or someone else, then you're supposed to call the police or an ambulance. Usually the police will show up. They, they have a team of people who are, um, who are trained in more mental health issues. Like they do do that. Uh, and, and so they dispatch and then, uh, sometimes they bring in a social worker with them or something, depending on, on what the situation, um, may be like, but it's really difficult to be in a position where you're the outsider looking in and seeing that 
hey, I know this person needs help or you wish there's something uh, you you could do. A standard is an outsider. You have to say that the person, yeah, is going to cause harm to themselves or someone else. I could never say that. Well, you don't want to say that if it's not true, but uh, like I have done it. I have called an ambulance on, on somebody uh, who I felt was at risk and uh, they ended up being hospitalized and, and assessed and then seen in psychiatry and, and, and treated. But it, that's really tough. It's really, really uh, tough. Texter writes in, the, the first step in resolving a personal issue is admitting to yourself you have an issue. Uh, that that's quite true. Uh, same text writes last time I heard they showed up with the cops and they were banging on both doors on both sides of the building. I'm sure that freaked him out. Yes, of course. And especially if you're dealing with certain psychiatric problems like uh, paranoid schizophrenia, for example, where they are not in touch with reality. And so, yes, would be uh, freaked out, somebody's coming after me, what have you, and, and puts themselves in, uh, in, a dangerous, uh, in a dangerous situation. So it's, uh, it, it is troubling, and I, I, I wish there was a way that we can get people to, to force help on them. Uh, sometimes it's it's doable in a situation like a, a severe psychiatric, like a, psych, a psychosis or something like that. But otherwise, you know, it's lots of lots and lots of people experiencing mental health issues that don't necessarily want to go and and get help, or they're just not ready at that at that particular time. So. Uh, I hear you. I really do. 514-800, if you would like to text in uh, your thoughts, uh, your uh, comments. We did get a message from the poet. There is no greater gift than the love we can share, whether it be some words of wisdom and of compassion and care. The world has gotten smaller. There has been far too many tears. We have forgotten our dreams for fewer hopes and increasing fears. We clearly see the problems and we all, we're all searching for a solution. We are all in this together amidst a social revolution. I do not have the magic answer. I'm only a passion poet at heart. But if we all show some care and compassion, it may be a good place to start. Thank you. Thank you for reminding us that uh, yes, we, especially at times like these, and even our, the person who wrote in that about getting somebody help, that's a person that's full of compassion, can, can see the hurt, has compassion and is frustrated at not being able to do more, uh, to do more to help. So, uh, that is a sign of compassion. So yes, we all need a little more understanding, a little more kindness, a little more compassion for our fellow humans. I'm a woman. I'm 18 years old. I have a boyfriend and I'm with him for the last four years. We have tried to have sex, but I can't. It hurts so much. I feel like trash because I can't have sex uh, or have him penetrate. I heard it's called vagin vaginismus and I don't know how to break that. What can I do for penetration that doesn't hurt me? Please help. I want to have sex. 
Uh, so vaginismus basically is the involuntary contraction of the vagina that makes intercourse virtually impossible. Even, even introducing a tampon or a finger would be impossible. And the underlying cause of that is usually fear of pain or somebody who's experienced uh, painful sex and may develop this uh, condition. It is actually not a physical condition, even though it expresses itself physically, it's a psychological one that has physical uh, consequences. So clearly in a situation like this, you're going to need to practice penetration first with small inserts like a tampon, the slender, slender tampon or a finger. Of course, you can only do this when your body is relaxed. The other option, and I recommend this highly, is that you see a professional, uh, like a pelvic floor physiotherapist who can actually do the work with you. And that would be really, really helpful. A pelvic floor physiotherapist. If uh, you can Google it, you can uh, email me and I'll give you the names of uh, several of them uh, in in Montreal. Absolutely. More of your questions and more painful sex questions uh, coming up. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Trouble Tuesdays tonight on the program, 514-800 to text in your questions you'd like to call in. You could do that too, 514-790-0800. Let me know how you're doing as well amid uh, this pandemic. And, you know, we have been talking about mental health as well as uh, sexual issues and such like we did last night. And the theme, as our our passion poet uh, pointed out, should be of compassion. And this texter says, Hi, Dr. Laura, I like that poem and compassion theme tonight. I'd like compassion to be the theme every night, frankly, if we can uh, maybe just have a reminder uh, of that compassionate side that I know is in all of us that we can... We can practice this. If we're not good at it, let's practice it. It's uh, it's something we can practice. How to give my girlfriend a pleasurable first time, considering that even if she puts one finger a little bit inside her vagina while masturbating, it hurts her. Trying to imagine how would she would react to my penis entering her vagina. Good question. A very similar uh, to the other uh, the other uh, thing the other text I responded to. Uh, so yes, first time intercourse, yeah, could be uh, a little bit painful, uncomfortable. So to make sure that it's the least painful possible, a couple things are necessary, right? Your partner has to be relaxed as much as that's possible in the first time when people could be nervous, uh, very aroused, make sure you use a lot of lubricant because of the, maybe the nerve, the nervousness might kind of, uh, lead to not such an arousal state, right? Uh, so it might be a good idea for her to practice with lube on her finger, uh, first, and so that she can learn how to relax her vagina and she can feel when it's contracting and when it's releasing. So that's doing like Kegel exercises with a finger inside. So she can actually feel that happening. Uh, because what, what ends up happening is when you anticipate pain, your body tenses up and your vagina tenses up as well. You may not think it's doing that, but it's doing that. And then of course it can make penetration painful or um, maybe impossible. And same thing for you. In a, a situation like this, seeing a pelvic floor physiotherapist that will, he, here's what they do. They 
they go right in there. Okay. Pelvic floor physiotherapists are very specialized, trained physiotherapists in this area where they work on your vagina with their hands, with whatever they've got uh, probes and they've got the, the tools to help women get in control of their, their pelvic floor. They can assess the pelvic floor and they can help stretch the vagina as well so that they can make it less painful. So any woman who experiences pain with penetration does very well when they visit a pelvic floor physiotherapist. If it's a psychological issue, then, um, having that with therapy is really the best outcome. So consider it because we have, we are very fortunate in Montreal to have quite a number of really, really good pelvic floor uh, physiotherapists. So I urge you to consider that. And a lot of people have never even heard of it, right? It's not like it's such an, uh, it is a relatively new field, like in the last couple of decades, which is, makes it relatively new. Uh, and it's gotten more and more and more, um, traction as we get to know more about it. And lots of gynecologists refer to pelvic floor physiotherapists because they don't have the time to sit there and work with the women. Whereas a pelvic floor physiotherapist will give you an hour to work on, on these, uh, these issues couple of texts here. Good for the 18 year old woman reaching out to you. I hope it all works out for her and she should know first time should be special. Hope it's beautiful for her. First time can be special and painful. (laughs) That's the reality, right? Hi, Dr. Lori. I'm female. Sometimes I get a Charlie horse cramp during sex, either when I'm on top or bottom. Google says this can be a sign that sex is going well. (laughs) Yeah. For me, yes, it's going well, but the cramp is very distracting because I'm usually orgasming at the same time. I'm healthy, eat healthy. And last time I actually stretch and warmed up before sex. Good plan. What can I do so that I can avoid cramping up? So, um, sometimes cramps have to do with, uh, how hydrated you are. I believe I remember reading that somewhere that people are more prone to cramps if they're not well hydrated. But remember that at the point of orgasm, you are tensing all those muscles, right? So there's a, a, a tension and then a, a release. So clearly once you tense and you get that Charlie horse, I can see how it can be uh, distracting, but I think the stretching beforehand is definitely a good idea. Try hydrating. I would also, if you're going to Google anything, just Google how to avoid leg cramps during sex <laughs> and you will, um, probably get a, a bunch of tips where, um, they can tell you, you know, even maybe specific stretches or, uh, whatever. Hi, Dr. Lori, huge fan. I particularly like how you feel comfortable, how, how you feel comfortably remove the stigma associated with sex. I think it's a true value to the society we live in and adds great value to many people's lives. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. I was hoping to ask you if you had any good book re- recommendations on understanding the differences between male and female arousal. I find my sex life with my girlfriend is either really good or really bad. And the thing that turns us on are quite different. A great question. 
and thank you for the compliment. That's uh, that's very, very sweet of you. So the best thing is it's not just about male and female arousal, although there are differences in sometimes in libido and how that's expressed. You can actually, I did a, a couple of TED Talks that you might find useful and kind of concisely talk about this. If you just go on my website or you on YouTube, just Google my name next to TED Talk. Uh, or TEDx, and then you, you'll, you'll see that. So you will get a little bit about that, but it's not so much about male, female. It's more about your partner and you, right? So because our sexuality can be so varied and the things that we like can be different. And that has nothing really to do with gender and more to do with the individual. Having good sexual communication is what leads to a good sex life. So when you say that if it's really, really good, great. So we know that's, you're fully capable of that. That's wonderful. But when they're bad, what makes it bad? And you need to be able to discuss with each other, Hey, what is it that turns you on? What is it that turns me on? And sometimes we have to compromise or negotiate a little bit, right? So maybe you're, uh, maybe you like a little bit of uh, BDSM, your partner, not so much, but your partner might be willing to do something because it pleases you. Of course, if you need it all the time, then it becomes a central focus of your sex life. And if it really doesn't work for your partner, that's going to cause problems. But otherwise, if we're just talking about, Hey, different things we'd like to try or different things that we, we prefer, these are the kinds of things that you could absolutely, um, discuss, absolutely discuss together. Texter writes, can I assume most pelvic floor therapists are females? All the pelvic floor therapists I know are females. If there are any listening who are males, would like to hear from you, but most uh, that I know are female. That's not to say that male pelvic floor physios don't exist. I just don't know of any, but hey, there are plenty of male uh, gynecologists out there, right? So... There you have it. I have a rather simple question. This person uh, emailed me. However, this particular question has been given me and my fiance nothing but arguments. Oh, this gives you guys a chance to maybe weigh in on this. I myself am not circumcised and she's always said she's fine with it and personally does not really care. But when the question about our future sons comes along, came along, she's been strict on her answer that she will have them circumcised. I said, I feel that is a decision they should make when they are grown up. Anyways, I've discussed the the points I've made and hers too. Her main argument is so they do not uh, come against UTIs and diseases, but statistically they are very close numbers of circumcised and uncircumcised children. Hope you could help. We really cannot move forward knowing both of us are not budging with our decision. I just feel it's a decision they should make. So what do people think about that? Cause that's quite the debate, right? I don't want to be the tiebreaker. That's not, do not put me in the role of being uh, a tiebreaker. You need to do the research. Like you're, you may find plenty of reasons for or against circumcision. And your wife, it sounds, or your future wife is probably thinking about the potential 
health benefits rather than the aesthetics of, of it all, right? Uh, but of course, as long as boys are taught how to properly retract the foreskin and wash, then the risks of disease are, are uncommon. Now, I know uh, that the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, do contend that the benefits of circumcision outweigh the risks. That's from the Academy of Pediatrics. Uh, so the chance of getting a UTI in one's lifetime, for example, is around one in three for uncircumcised men and one in 20 in circumcised men. So it does decrease the risk of certain, that doesn't mean it's a risk. Remember, it's not a certainty. Uh, circumcision also decreases the risk of sexually transmitted infections and also rare, uh, rare, but can happen penile, uh, cancer. So this is something that is a very personal, uh, decision. Of course, it's something you both have to agree on. You need to do your research, maybe uh, speak to physicians, but you're going to find, you're going to find arguments on both sides. One text writes, personally, I think the pro circumcision points win out. And then does this guy have any idea how painful that would be for those boys when they are older? OMG, save them the pain. So there you go. So from, and I think that's, that's a good point. Having a circumcision later is far, it can, is quite painful, <laughs> uh, simply because you're getting erections. You're well, you have more nerve endings when you're older, you develop more nerve endings as you get older. So that's part of uh, the problems, health benefits and women prefer circumcised men, according to one texter. So we can have this debate right here. We're not going to break the tie necessarily, but at least you got to get as much information, uh, as possible for, for this kind of thing. And often people say aesthetics, well, if dad is uncircumcised, then they want their sons to look the same way. And, uh, and if they are, so, you know, whatever. So we often can, can hear that. And if it's not a religious thing, then it becomes a choice that, uh, that you make coming up our stupid sex story of the day, plus more of your questions here on trouble Tuesdays. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Lots and lots of people weighing in on circumcision, but first let me share a stupid sex story of the day. Spanish police broke up a mass orgy as eager crowds queued outside to be filmed having sex. The event was reportedly advertised as a crime against public health before taking place in a fifth floor studio in Madrid's uh, in San Blas neighborhood on uh, last Wednesday. Dozens of participants were said to have waited outside the area in the hope of joining in. Undercover officers headed down to the scene after being tipped off about the sex party. They were led into the flat by people who mistook them for orgy participants. Drugs, including cocaine and liquid ecstasy, were allegedly seized from the flat, which had been rented for a week by a party goer involved. Three organizers have been warned they face heavy fines for the unlicensed sex event. 
Uh, one of the organizers is said to be a, the porn director, Ignacio Allende, uh, better known as Torbe. He had spent seven months on remand in prison in 2016 after being arrested on suspicion of crimes, including sexual abuse of minors and distribution of child porn. It hasn't even gone to trial yet. Uh, so this came after the Spanish government declared a 15-day state of emergency like we've done, in order to bring down soaring coronavirus infection rates in Madrid. Restrictions have been placed on gatherings while there is a ban on leaving or entering the city unless it is for work or humanitarian reasons. So this was their form of, um, you know, uh, protest uh, against, I guess, the uh, restrictions. Oh, well. <laughs> All right, let me share some text on uh, circumcision. Some Somebody wrote in, he, he and his fiance or wife are, are having a debate. He is circumcised. She's okay with his uncircumcised penis, but thinks about their future sons and is saying that she absolutely wants them to be circumcised for health reasons. And he's like, I don't know how we're going to agree uh on this. So I, I do not want to be the, 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 uh, the, the deal breaker here, the one who decides that's for sure. So I'm throwing it out there and let them decide. Right. So, uh, no, if you're going to circumcise your son, do it at birth. There's no way a young man will allow someone coming at his penis with a knife. Uh, just to weigh in on the circumcision discussion, my belief is that human beings and our bodies have evolved to have certain characteristics like foreskin and that it's best not to mess with evolution. You're better off just teaching your children how to clean themselves properly. Is it really that different from learning how to wipe your butt? No, should not be. You're absolutely right. Dr. L, a foreskin is there because it's meant to be there. Leave it alone. Otherwise, it's a form of mutilation. Dr. Lori, when I was younger and even now, I never had any problem thoroughly washing, uh, thoroughly properly washing my uncircumcised unit with a bar of soap. Uh, have a bris, even if you are not Jewish. I'm not Jewish, but I am circumcised. And if there is any one time I should have got a bit of wine in a ceremony, it was then. <laughs> Do you know any adult men who have had a circumcision? I'd be curious to hear men call or text in. Yes, I I've certainly have spoken and people have written in who have had later day circumcisions, usually because of a problem. So there are some they're not like super common, but we see them enough. Uh, phimosis, phimosis is when there's a, the, the foreskin fuses to the head of the penis. And so it's difficult to retract the foreskin, which makes erections really painful. And, uh, there's a couple of options for that. They, they start with using some kinds of creams or to loosen the skin. But if that doesn't work, then they do perform a, um, a circumcision in adulthood. And it's, it's painful. It's not a, it's not a difficult procedure. Uh, but I mean, there's a recovery period for a bit, right. When, where you can't have sex or what have you, I mean, it's not months or anything, but I'm sure it's at least a, a week of, of giving your penis a rest. But again, I'm not a urologist. I, I don't do those things. I refer people to urologists to, to have uh, things done when they need, but most of the adult circumcisions, 
were uh, uh, two things. Either somebody was converting to Judaism and that happened, or it was because they had <clears throat> a medical issue. It's true met from a medical standpoint, there is more risk of particular issues, health issues in uncircumcised and circumcised men. That is fact. Like that's just there. So, um, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that if you're uncircumcised, you will absolutely develop an issue. That's just, that's just silly, right? To, to, uh, to think that I am thankful for all the parts that I was given. And yes, gratitude, that's a good place to start. 514-800. If there are any, uh, thoughts you want to share, uh, then I would be uh, happy to to have them on here. I know the fact that despite following the calendar for safe days, etc., all sex without a condom can be risky. Is there any safer way to have sex without one? Me and my wife don't want any barrier between us when making love. In particular, my wife hates using a condom and likes the feel of skin inside her. And yeah, we don't want to be on contraceptives as we plan to have a baby after about a year. Please advise. At the most, I would get a good reason on why to use a condom. So obviously the best reason in your case to use a condom is to avoid uh, pregnancy. You can... You can use the withdrawal method of pulling out uh, before ejaculation, but it is not a highly effective form of birth control because men do have what's called a pre-ejaculate. It's, it's kind of the male lubricant, if you will, male lubrication that comes out without them actually feeling it that may contain some uh, live sperm. So... It's not, uh, you could do it, but you'd have to be prepared to, you like, you just still have to know the risks, right? You got to know that, yeah, there is a possibility that you could, uh, become pregnant. Now, if you choose this method, the other thing is your partner has to have really regular menstrual cycle so she can chart the, her safe days. So if you do both of those things, you're increasing, you're decreasing the odds of getting pregnant, but be prepared that she could possibly still get pregnant before you actually plan for it because ovulation is funny too. And sperm can live a few days up there. And so there's all kinds of things, right? There's multiple factors that could, um, increase the odds of getting pregnant. So if you really don't want to, then you need to use some form of birth control barrier method, or I know she doesn't want to be on oral contraceptives. I'm not sure I would recommend an IUD to be put in uh, for a year, but that might be something she can discuss with, um, her doctor, a non-hormonal IUD, for example, that's something that, uh, she might want to uh, consider. Here's an interesting question. <clears throat> something you address rarely is professional cuddlers. Firstly, are they legal? And second, wouldn't this activity be therapeutic? So I don't address it. I've addressed it on a number of occasions when the story has come up. I don't address it because it's not very popular, 
Uh, maybe it should be, I don't know, but of course it can be therapeutic. I don't see it as being uh, illegal, but I think there was one, a, like a cuddle cafe in New York or something. I mean, if you look it up, you'll see, but I, I, I'm sure we've talked to people who do this kind of, uh, of work. So of course there are benefits to close contact, not during COVID, but there are benefits to, uh, to close contact, uh, with somebody, even if it's a non sexual contact, which is, uh, something that you're, uh, talking about. More of your questions. You still have uh, a bit of time. Uh, the theme seems to be uh, with young people tonight. Got another virginity uh, issue coming up. That and more. After- Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Trouble Tuesday. Still have some time to get your questions or comments in. A couple of questions, uh, comments here. Re our sex, stupid sex story. People sure are getting frustrated with COVID restrictions. It's way worse than. Trump flag waivers and pandemic deniers in Quebec City this past weekend, but same kind of illogical group think frustrations involved. Yeah, it's happening all over the place. Uh, and on circumcisions, I know of a friend that had the procedure done for medical reasons. So as an adult told me very uncomfortable for two weeks, but happy with it now and told me his wife likes the looks a lot better. You too can add your two cents to our circumcision debate tonight. Seems to be one of the themes. Uh, another one from a young, uh, a young li- listener. I'm an 18 year old, um, virgin and I'm trying to get into the act of fingering, but it is very nerve wracking. I've tried before, but it has never been successful. Any tips also for the longest time, I've gotten off through clitoral stimulation through shower heads and tub faucets. I could never do it by hand. It seems as if it takes too long to reach a clitoral orgasm by hand, and that too is unsuccessful. Any tips on that? So first of all, um, many women get the most stimulation from clitoral action, right? And, And many women like their stimulation to be a little intense, like what you get exactly from a shower head or uh, a vibrator. Just simply inserting a finger isn't going to really provide any of that kind of stimulation. It's important for you to know your body and to know what it feels like, uh, but it may it may not provide you anything. Like it may just be a neutral kind of, uh, sensation. There's also nothing wrong with you using a vibrator. You can even use a vibrator during intercourse with your partner. Um, but people and young people, we don't really talk about this even in sex ed. So maybe you've never heard this, but 75 to 80% of women do not orgasm through penetration alone. Maybe you're, you're thinking that, Oh, if I can't penetrate, you know, if I can't feel good with a finger, how will a penis feel good? But you actually need the clitoral stimulation. So it actually, you're, you're perfectly normal (laughs) to tell you the truth. You know, the fact is you, you experience pleasure and you know how to give yourself pleasure. Your partner can give you clitoral stimulation as well. So, um, and then work your way to, uh, to penetration, a small vibrator may be a good way to start question mark. Yes. You don't need, you can buy these tiny little, 
They're called bullets, basically, tiny little vibrators that they don't go inside. You just use them on the outside of, uh, of the clitoris, and, and those things are inexpensive and they can they can work really well some women need a little stronger and and that's fine another text writes i've never tried it but i see professional cuddling as basically therapeutic can be kind of expensive though if it's called upon really uh frequently i would imagine so i don't think i can't remember how much they charged when we interviewed somebody from that cuddle company uh, but I remember it wasn't like, it wasn't so cheap, you know, it might've been like 60 bucks, 80 bucks. I don't even remember, but somewhere, uh, somewhere around, uh, around that for sure. I wonder if anybody else has tried that. Hmm. A uh, nice to hear so many young people asking you about sex rather than listening to their friends. <laughs> uh, shouldn't you issue a disclaimer that vibrators can be addictive? Actually, that is not really accurate. Um, they are not addictive in the sense that, oh my God, I'm starting now. I need my vibrator all the time. It's the same thing I say to anybody who uses one form of stimulation. You get used to one way to reach orgasm and then you can't with other forms of stimulation, except that when it comes to women, the, the clitoral stimulation is required and you're right. Maybe when they're with a partner, then they, the, the uh, stimulation their partner can provide with their mouth or their hand isn't going to be as intense as the, um, as the vibrator can be. So, but some women use the vibrator during, uh, at least during intercourse and, and it's fine as long as it works. But I would not say, I think that's a myth that vibrators, uh, are addictive. I have never yet met somebody who was literally addicted to their uh, vibrator in the way that we understand addiction. Getting used to, that's a different uh, story. And on that front, you would be, uh, you would be right. I'm not sure where to start, but to make it quick, I'm 30 years old and I'd fall under the category of love shy. I'm pretty fed up about it and I believe it's restraining me from going forward in life. I'm good looking, educated, etc. It's got to be over five years now that it's starting to weigh on my mood and ambitions. Have any suggestions where to start? So without knowing really anything about what the issues might be, that are stopping you? Are they social anxiety issues, performance anxiety issues? Like, is it simple shyness or is there something more than seeing a therapist to evaluate that and, and to look at some of the underlying reasons might be good. Another place that you can start is with a, with a dating coach to develop strategies for uh, talking to uh, women and and how to have start conversations and and things like that. So that's a place you can start. And we used to have a dating coach on, on the program here. So I'm going to give you his uh, his link or his website, and you can 
he's got a bunch of books. He's written over 25 books and I'm sure one of them there is meant just for you. So, uh, you can look it up. It's franktalks.com, franktalks.com. So working with, um, a dating coach is, is a, always a really good idea. Uh, in a case like this, and they can help you kind of figure out also the different avenues on, uh, how to meet people online or using uh, an app, how to create a profile, uh, things that you want to showcase, etc. Join the club, love shy, try love fear, better look deeper. So I think you're talking more about love. Fear is more about commitment fear, right? When you're talking about more intense, more a deeper connection, it's a fear of intimacy. It's a fear of commitment. And this is a topic I, I'm going to, I have it on my, my list of topics to discuss in the next few weeks, but talking about uh, that kind of commitment phobia, which is, it's not really about, it's not the, the, the phobia, it's not the fear of the commitment as much as it's the fear of it getting serious and the fear of having that level of intimacy and the fear of abandonment and the fear of it not working out and the fear of trusting, like it, it goes, uh, far, far, uh, deeper than that. So that's something that we can certainly, uh, talk about. Dr. Laura, I have a quick question that I'd like to address to your male listeners. I'm a woman and I've always found female genitals not to be inspiring. <laughs> My question is, do men truly find female genitals appealing? Anybody want, want to answer that question? I'm going to tell you the answer is uh, yes. You know, let's be honest, female genitals, male genitals, they're a bit funny looking, right? I mean, it's not like the most, uh, I don't know. They, they can, I mean, we could all say they, they could be a little bit funny looking, but that doesn't mean they're not arousing, right? Especially because that's kind of what we've been. Well, I think it, I, I, I think too, there's an evolutionary thing to that too, right? We've, we have, we get aroused. So, uh, there's that. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you think? Do men truly find female genitals appealing? And maybe I should ask the women, do women find male genitals appealing? Maybe we can have that debate one night here. Maybe now's not the time since it's, it's really the end of, uh, of the show, but something that we can debate, uh, going forward. This, texter writes in, this guy finds female genitals appealing. Lots of, with a exclamation point. What STDs can I get from fellatio? So usually any, first of all, if you are the, on the receiving end, so are you a male? So let's say you're a male writing in, you're on the receiving end. There's less of a risk than the person giving, first of all. The person who is in contact with the skin, your, your general skin could get HPV, could get herpes, could get anything basically that they can get, uh, with other kinds of sex with, with vaginal penile sex or penile anal sex could they can get in the throat as well. So that's something to, to consider, but the receiver is the one who is usually um, mo more at risk unless a person has herpes on like, uh, oral herpes, then they can transmit that, uh, to the genitals 
as well so you want to uh, make sure of that all women's bodies are beautiful a work of art uh, tell the person asking if they are appealing i've loved them all <laughs> so uh, i guess uh, there's the consensus uh, for tonight thank you so much for all of your questions and please feel free to send them to me anytime to laurie at dr Lori. Dot com. So whatever questions you have at the beginning of every show, I uh, do answer uh, your questions. Thanks to our technical producer, Dave Simon, tonight. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Betito, uh, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E-B-E-T-I-T-O, or through my website, which is simply drlaurie.com. On the website, you'll find podcasts of all our past shows, which you can also find if you have the iHeart app on the CJD page. So you can check there. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.